Welcome to Mother Vessel, a podcast for women, mothers, and vessels. I'm your host, Mame Nyamuche, and this is episode three of season two. Now, the first two episodes of this season were just phenomenal. It opened my eyes to different stories, perspectives. I was taking notes. We talked about breast cancer and postpartum. We talked about stepmotherhood and redefining family. And today we are gonna hear from our guest as she opens up about her birth story and how her life was literally on the line. But God being so good and so awesome, orchestrated some miraculous things to happen so that she can be here to even share her story. But before we get into our guest, it is fall season. So that means the weather is changing. So that means you might need to pull out some sweatshirts. And at mothervessel.us, we have some merch for you. We have the Mother Vessel Signature sweatshirt and the Vessel of God sweatshirts. So definitely go and check it out at mothervessel.us and get a sweatshirt, not just for yourself, but also for a sister, a mother, a friend, you name it. So definitely check that out. Also, don't forget to send us messages, comments, suggestions at info at mothervessel.us. I will respond to your emails. It's so great and so encouraging when I hear from you, whether it's through email or even on Instagram. We are a community, so I definitely want to hear from you. So let's get into today's episode and our guest. Our guest for today is Maya Barnes. Maya is a Prince George's County native (laughs) and Hampton University graduate. She currently works for Booz Allen Hamilton as a communications consultant and technical writer. She is a wife. She's a mother to a beautiful, beautiful boy. And she has a story about the birth of her son. As many of her friends know, Maya is a huge Marvel fan. So for all you Marvel fans out there, this is your girl. And she enjoys been watching Shark Tank, eating ice cream, and researching DIY projects. Maya is awesome. She really just pours out her heart. And I can't wait to just dive in with her on today's episode. So let's welcome Maya to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on. I'm really looking forward to hearing your story and just us chatting as women, as mothers. Yes, I'm excited. Yeah, me too, me too. So before we dive in, Maya, but I'm going to ask you, who is Maya? And I always ask this question because oftentimes as women, we get caught up in our roles and times people identify us as our role, right? Oh, Maya, you're a mom, right? Maya, you know, you're a wife and all of this. But there's a woman, right, before the titles, before the roles. So I like to give women the opportunity for them to tell us who they are. Yeah, that's a really good question. And I don't think that's talked about enough. Like you said, I would say me, Maya, I am very passionate about what I do, regardless of what it is. I know one scripture that I always think of whenever I am, you know, doing some sort of task is um, work as though you're working for the Lord. 
And so when I'm doing something, I have to always keep that in mind. And that's where my passion for certain things come from. It doesn't matter if I'm cleaning the kitchen or, you know, helping Lyndon with something or assisting a family member with whatever they need. I try and always put my best foot forward for whatever it is. I just think that has helped me kind of navigate a little bit better in challenging times or doing things that I know I don't want to do. I love that verse that you mentioned because um, every time I come across that verse, it's like a reminder to me <laughs> because yeah. some things. That, and you need you know, that reminder sometimes. Yes. <laughs> a lot of yes. Times. I'm really happy you brought that up. Yeah, that's awesome. So I know that there was a life before Lyndon. <laughs> so <Yeah>. what was <laughs> what was that like? Yeah. Um, mall every weekend. <laughs> ice cream and food with my friends yeah I know like I said I'm actually very simple and it's hard to imagine life before the babies because it's like how could like it's I don't know it's crazy sometimes to think about it um so I would just come home make a like homemade pizza and then just like flop on the couch and chill and that time is long gone because I cannot do that anymore I'm chasing Lyndon around. So some of those little things, you know, that you're like, oh, I looked back and I used to do this. And yeah. I don't do that. Anymore. Even though that was like a little over a year ago. <laughs> so Interesting how life can change so it quickly, right? Changes. And how time would change. Like sometimes I even look back and I'm like, boy, did I have time. Like, yes, all the time. <laughs> like, <laughs> I really had time. And now even like, like getting ready like this morning, getting, getting him like I get him ready first. Yeah, because I know I'm like, if I get him ready first, I can then, you know, give him a toy or something to play with while I get ready. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But I'm like, even that time of getting ready is like cut down to like five minutes. <laughs> so I'm like, my brows right. don't look that great today. <laughs> But he's like screaming and pulling my leg. And so I'm like, oh, I didn't even have a chance to really like do my hair. So yeah, Yeah. the time it you really have to adjust to operating on little time. Little time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Now that we know who Maya was before, what life was like before, I would like to transition into motherhood. Yeah. So I had always wanted three because okay. I grew up at a third <laughs> I was gonna say triplet not um, my <laughs> mom had two boys I have two older brothers and we're all pretty close in age about three-ish four years apart from each other I always liked the dynamic of three you know just feeling like you're a part of a little team mm. so in my head I was like oh I definitely want to have three kids when I grow up and yada yada um so that was kind of my idea going in was um you know, definitely want to have children, didn't really care, boy or girl, you know, healthy baby, as they always say. So once I got pregnant, I was really surprised because, you know, we were, I had started talking to my OB about it. She was kind of preparing me for what to expect, what to do, how to try and stuff like that. You know, notice that I got pregnant. Oh, I was on my way to work. So I took the pregnancy test as I'm getting ready for work. And then the lines just weren't like it wasn't showing up quicker, quick enough. And I was like, this isn't working fast enough for me. I got to go. I threw it in the trash. (laughs) I was like, I'll take another one later. (laughs) Threw it in the trash. Went to work. Went about my day. 
get back home, you know, cook dinner, enjoy TV, do all that stuff. And right before bed, that still small voice in my ear was saying, you need to check that trash can. (laughs) (laughs) I went in the trash can. I pulled out the little stick. And Mm. it's I I almost screamed. I couldn't believe it. Just because I just dismissed it so quickly. I was just like, eh, this isn't really showing up. It's kind of a faint line. It's probably negative because I had gotten so many negative tests Mm. before. I knew. That's that was the other reason why I threw it away. It was kind of just frustration because I had already known. I was like, I'm tired of taking these these tests Mm -hmm. and it keeps showing up negative. I threw it away. I come back that night and it was positive. So, um, there starts my journey. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I, (laughs) my first trimester was a nightmare. I, I had all the symptoms, the nausea, the fatigue, the faintness, all that, you know, stuff. Um, I was in and out of work a lot, burned through so much PTO. But then eventually, once my second trimester hit, I was pretty much smooth sailing. Mm-hmm. Everything was going fine. All my check-ins were good. My appointments, no need. You know, there was no concerns at all. Third trimester came, still going strong. All my appointments were going well. Blood work, everything was fine. Mm-hmm. And then I would say at the tail end of my third trimester, maybe about three weeks before I actually delivered, I had a false alarm. I thought like my water had broke, of course, not really knowing how that felt. I just, something felt weird and I felt wetness and I just kind of freaked out. I called Kaiser's advice nurse. Um, They're great, by the way. And she was kind of talking me through some things. And she said, you know, I think I want to get you in to be seen. She was like, I don't think your water broke. She was like, but we need to figure out what's going on. So she called around to different hospitals and this was also kind of like kind of at the end of COVID, but we we're still pretty much in COVID. A lot of these hospitals don't have beds open. I was on hold with her for about 20 minutes while she just called around to different hospitals um, within their network. And then she said, okay, I have one hospital. <laughs> Can you, she's like, how far are you from DC MedStar? And I'm like, oh, DC <laughs> MedStar. <laughs> right. <laughs> no shade. I'm sorry. But I'll, she was like, They're the, they have one bed available. They can see you. I've already told them that you're coming. So hopefully you can go. I was okay. Look, not a bag packed or anything if anything happened. So I'm like, okay, Vernon, let's go. So mm-hmm. we get to DC MedStar. The nurses started hooking me up to monitors and stuff like that and one of the nurses she was like yeah i'm not sure your water broke but you know well the doctor will be able to assess and everything Mm -hmm. and so they hooked me up to the blood pressure monitor and stuff like that and then one of the nurses she was like hmm was your pressure this high before and i was like i no, i don't have a history of high blood pressure so i'm not sure i was like could be just because i'm really anxious right now and i don't know what's going on and so she was like you know well recording all this down and we're going to give it to the doctor. He'll see you soon. Uh, the doctor comes in and his name is Dr. Lamarck and he was part of the Kaiser unit. And when he saw me, he was like, you were very nervous. And I was like, I know, I don't know what's going on because something happened down there and I'm just kind of freaking out and I just want to go back home and go to sleep. Um, 
And he was like, well, I'm gonna let you know, you're not going right home right now, but we need to, you know, kind of see what's up. So, you know, he checked down there and he was like, you're not, not your water, water didn't break. You're not dilated or anything. Mm-hmm. He's like, just be some membrane discharge or something like that. Um, he said, but your blood pressure, um, I'm a little concerned. And I said, okay, well, I, I think it's cause I'm really anxious. I don't have any history of blood, high blood pressure. It's been fine this entire time, but he was great at just kind of keeping me calm in the moment because again, I was freaking out. Right. I think I was just freaking out only because how the nurses were, re- nurses were reacting. You know, you feed off that energy. Uh-huh. They just seemed really anxious. So then I started feeling anxious. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and you're in the hospital. And, he too. Said, so that environment- and you're in the hospital yeah. randomly. Cause I didn't want to be, I was like trying to go to sleep that night. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I remember Dr. Lamarck saying, I need you to calm down. And I said, oh, okay. That was a little abrupt. He was like, because you like to be in control. I can tell you like to be in control and you need to let go of that control. Um, and this is just from someone, I mean, I, he hadn't been there for maybe two minutes and he's oh, talking oh. to me like he knows everything about me. Right. Um, said, what you're about to experience you cannot control. He's like, I don't care what you've done up to this point, how Mm. healthy you've been eating, all the blogs and YouTube videos you have watched. He's like, nothing can prepare you what's going to happen because I don't even know what's going to happen and you don't know what's going to happen. He said, you need to release that control. Again, this is before he even assessed me, mommy. Like, I I was like, what's (laughs) happening? Are you freaking Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. You know, he he did an evaluation. He didn't mm-hmm. sign any immediate concern. Um, I was there for maybe about another four hours, and they let me go back home. And he said, you know, just follow up with your doctor to, you know, to, so we can monitor your blood pressure. Like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Thank you, doc. I left. A week later, I had my, it was right the day before my baby shower, and I started swelling really bad. In my legs. My legs were getting puffy. I had the cankles like crazy. Um, But then my arms started getting puffy and that was kind of unusual. Mm. So we went on with the baby shower. Everything went well. And my mom pulled me aside and she said, she's like, your ankles are really puffy. I'm a little concerned. I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. (laughs) I was like, I know like women kind of swell at the end, (laughs) but we were both a little concerned. So I ended up having it was perfect timing because I had my doctor's appointment anyway that following week. And when I went in for my doctor's appointment, they did the blood pressure and the doctor came in immediately. And she said, we need to ha- get, take you down to the lab to do some to do some blood work and a urine test. I said, OK, went down, came back up. My results came very quickly because she ordered them immediately and realized that there was that protein. I forgot what it's called um, in my urine. And she said, you have preeclampsia. And I was like, heard about it. Don't really know much what, like, what's happening. And she started evaluating me. She was like, you know, are you dizzy? Are you, do you have, are you seeing um, dark spots? Are you lightheaded? Um, any stomach pain? She felt underneath my ribs, I believe, like, on my left side. She was like, do you have any pain here? I'm like, no. She was like, you know, you, what you have is preeclampsia, as they consider with no features, no features, meaning you have it without any sense. Yeah. And that's the scariest one because at least 
with features can catch it sooner. Yeah. And so she talked to the doctor in charge and they said, you need to go to Holy Cross immediately. We immediately go to Holy Cross. They were already prepared for me. They said, we need to start your induction. And this is where things started crumbling down. I had so many failed inductions. And then my water did break. Water broke. I was one centimeter dilated after two days of them trying to induce. And my blood pressure was continuing to rise. And so guess who walked in the door to say they were my surgeon for the day? And this is at Holy Cross, by the way. And you remember where I went before? The doctor at DC. Dr. Lamarck. Yes. Dr. Lamarck walked in and I thought I was like hallucinating. He said, hey, um, we're going to get you to a room. He's like, you're the next um, mom that will be having surgery. She was like, we need to, I need to get this baby out because your levels are climbing at a rate that I'm not comfortable with. He said, it's getting a little scary for me. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then I, I looked at him and I was like, are you? And he was like, I'm Dr. Lamarck. Girl, I almost passed out. What? I could not believe the doctor I saw at DC right. MedStar <laughs> was Basically. the same doctor at Holy Cross delivering my child. What? And he he remembered me. And this was like maybe three weeks later. Yeah, he still mm-hmm. remembered me. And he said, remember what I told you when I saw you? He was like, release the control. God is in control. He was like, you, we're going to do everything. You'll be fine. Girl, I, the water, the tears just started pouring. Like everyone came in so fast. Everything happened so fast. Once they saw that nothing was happening and my blood pressure kept rising, he mm-hmm. he was like, everybody on it. There were so many nurses in there. I had like three people having to do my epidural, which failed. They, I forgot to tell them that I had um, slight scoliosis, so they shot me in the wrong place, and I felt like my entire legs were on fire. Um, but yeah, so they moved very, very quickly. It, it happened all so fast. And within an hour, you know, they, they put all the stuff on me. And then I go to the operating room and they start the procedure. And this is when it also took another turn. While I'm in the operating room, you know, you have your arms kind of like stretched out on the table. I kept telling them that I felt really dehydrated. And, you know, they can't give you anything. They can only give you ice. So they were giving me ice and I'm like crying. I'm like, I'm really dehydrated. I feel like I'm about to pass out. Mm. And like the nurses are saying, like, hang in there. Like, you're almost there. The baby's almost out. Lyndon comes out. I see him for maybe a second. And I kind of don't know what happens after that. All I remember was waking up in like on a stretcher. Mm hmm with like 10 nurses and doctors around me and just sirens and loud sounds. And I didn't know what was going on. And all I kept hearing so faint because apparently I like blacked out afterwards and then woke up in the stretcher. And all I kept hearing was 
it keeps rising. It keeps rising. Her pressure is rising, like just yelling. And I, uh, what? Dr. Lamar, I saw faintly Dr. Lamar saying like, I don't believe it. Keep, keep checking, keep checking, put it on our arm. They put blood pressure monitors all over my body. I had them on my legs, on my arms. They had something around my chest. Like it was crazy. And I just kept hearing him saying like, that's not real. This can't be possible. And I, at that point, I, I think maybe him saying that maybe passed out again, but he literally kept saying that can't be real mm-hmm. because my pressure, it was over 280. At that point, you typically have a stroke and die. Yeah. Or whatever happens to the point where it's critical. Yeah. So I, I that was the last part I remember. And it was so much commotion going on. The last part I remember was him literally telling everybody to be quiet. He said, I need to focus. He pretty much shushed everybody around me and just had like a moment to himself. I don't know if he was praying or what. And then he just started giving orders like it was on Grey's Anatomy. Like, you need to do this. I need such and such, like on all these crazy terms. And then they shot me up really fast with some substance and I was out. I woke up in the ICU hours later. I didn't know what had happened to me, where my baby was, <laughs> nothing. Um, it was the scariest moments of my life because all I kept hearing him saying was like, we have to save her and make sure she's okay. Waking up and basically not knowing where you are, what happened to you. I was done. I was so done. I was, I was just in tears, hawked up on magnesium, (laughs) trying to figure out where I even was. Maya. Yeah. It was fatal pretty much. Like (laughs) they, whatever they shot me with saved my life and whatever he did, Dr. Lamarck and all the prayers and God just being there in that moment saved me. And it's, it's really hard to talk about. And this is just me, of course, just recapping it, but just being surrounded and not knowing what's about to happen to you. If you're about to breathe your last breath and all that stuff, it's, it is absolutely terrifying. And all I just kept thinking was, I just want to see Lyndon. I just kept saying that I just want to see him. I didn't meet Lyndon until three days later. Oh my goodness. I didn't get any skin to skin, like those precious moments, like golden hour that you would want and, you know, expect after delivering a baby. After they took him out, like I said, I saw him for that hot second. Yeah. And I was, he was whisked away and I was whisked away. And I remember just being in the ICU, just screaming out to all the nurses, like, I want to see my baby. Like, what? <laughs> like I haven't seen my child that I just gave birth to. So there was also this feeling of disconnection. Yeah. 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 And I just want to pause right there, Maya, because I, you say in three days, guys, three days, that's a long time. Long time. It was a lot. <laughs> it, it, it hit me so bad mentally and emotionally. Oh. I literally, I cried time. I mean, I, I don't think I've cried that long consecutively in my entire life. 
they had to have like the because you know it's holy cross they had to have like the ministers coming in talking to me and praying with me like it was but they couldn't release me they they said we cannot let you leave here because you're you almost had a heart attack and died like they, they couldn't release me and it was so hard just sitting in that bed day in and day out not being able to hold your newborn child like I feel for the mothers who have to have gone through that and you know have experienced that because it's hard and like I said that kind of disassociation that you have really hits you to a point where it's you also start to wonder like will I have that same feel you know how will that moment feel like it's feel like you're actually at that point meeting a complete stranger mm-hmm. <laughs> at moment so I was a wreck for that whole time and I, I actually was in the ICU for a week what happened with Lyndon Lyndon was okay. They wanted to make sure his lungs were developed because I think he was like breathing heavy. He was only three pounds and feeding. He was not able to take his feeds. So they had him hooked up on so much stuff, uh, Lyndon, and he eventually was able to FaceTime. But I can't tell you how hard it is to see your newborn (laughs) on FaceTime. It was really strange. <laughs> I didn't like it. it. It actually made me more mad because ICU unit is totally different from labor and delivery. They don't even talk to each other. One of the doctors told me this. They said, we don't want you guys here. We don't expect you guys here. Uh, they don't typically get mothers from labor and delivery in the ICU. Okay. And so that also just added to how critical my situation was. So it was just, it was a nightmare, but I really, and I strongly urge women to check in, wear blood pressure cuffs, get a blood pressure monitor, keep it at your house because it sneaks up on you like that. Like, thank God I have been blessed with good health. You know, mm-hmm. I don't eat like, you know, a bunch of processed foods and stuff. I pride myself in following a primarily plant-based diet. You know, I exercise, all those things to like maintain a healthy life. Preeclampsia does not care. <laughs> it doesn't discriminate. It does not discriminate. I don't care who you are. It can sneak up on you in a heartbeat. And that's exactly what happened. And so if you sense any swelling or just anything that may not seem right and swelling was my only symptom like I said I had and some women have it without swelling so it's you really just have to be proactive and I I say I, I would just say wear a blood pressure monitor throughout especially your third trimester and I, that's just something that I wish I did but again you don't think about it because you know if you're otherwise healthy you don't think that, oh, I'm just going to have an onset of preeclampsia. And women also have eclampsia, postpartum. So it's it's just, it's really scary. And I, I have spoken to other women who either knew someone who had this or had another traumatic uh, emergency C-section. I didn't, I didn't know that would ever happen to me. Like, it's just things we do not think, but our you body... Think about it. Yeah, you just don't think about it. So... 
it was hard. It was really hard. And it's difficult because I think a lot of times people think, oh, you could just get pregnant, have a baby, right? And life is going to be smooth. But there are so many experiences, conditions, things that happen that it's not in our control. And it can get very scary. Yes, indeed. You can plan for the best and, um, you know, have support team, midwives, doulas, but your body is going to do what it naturally is going to do with whatever, you know, bodily chemistry or whatever is going on. Like it's, it's really hard. And so I, again, that's that, that you have to release all of that and turn it over to God. And that's what I just had to do. Just continue to pray because I'm like, I, there is nothing in this moment that I can do to mm-hmm. save. Only God can save me. And, and that's all, that's, it's really all you can do. You yeah. have, you have absolutely no control. I mean, even with giving a birth vaginally, it's you push and push and you, you have to release it. So yeah. yeah. That doctor who you saw three weeks prior would end up being the doctor there when it was time to deliver. And the doctor who was instrumental in saving your life, and he was ordained by God. To oh, yes. At that yes. time. Like, mm, listen. Who, who would have thought? Listen, I mean, there would be no scenario that could have worked more perfectly. Yeah. No. Why was he there on that day on my floor in my room with so many other patients he could have seen at a different hospital? Listen, (laughs) every time I think about it, he already knows I I have, I need to visit him again. Like we, (laughs) this is, this is that type of doctor, you know, you, you go see and think and all the things because he was, oh, it came full circle because that was ordained. God placed him there to deliver. Like he, he orchestrated that entire thing. Even mm-hmm. Vernon was literally looked at me. He was just like, I know that's not, we both had that face. I was like, wow. how, just how, and you can only say just, but God, but God. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing. There are situations that happen and people are like, how do you know God is real? Let me tell you, there are experiences that you're just like this cannot be it can't be any other thing (laughs) like you can't even because it's it's the stuff that doesn't make any sense it doesn't make that's when you know it doesn't make any sense and i am so grateful and i thank god for your life because unfortunately maya we know that there are a lot of women who don't come out of this Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i thought that was going to be me and black women as you know yeah the statistics are higher yep unfortunately unfortunately. So let me ask you this, and I know our time, but I have to ask because there came to a point, you said you were in the ICU for uh, a week and Mm -hmm. Lyndon was in the NICU for two weeks. Mm -hmm. So what was life like when both of you came home? Oh, the best. It's crazy because, you know, when you have a newborn, you want to get some sort of sleep. I didn't want to sleep. I just wanted to stare at him the whole time, (laughs) hold him. It felt 
I, I don't know. I can't even explain the feeling. You see all these other mothers and dads like leaving with their babies and your child is still there. So you're going home without a child. That was hard. Of course, knowing they're in the best care. So trying to be positive. But when I finally brought him home, it was it was magical. Because like I said, I didn't want to take my I, I just held him the entire I think I held him for like a whole month. <laughs> so then also, you know, learning the dance, as they say, with trying to breastfeed. That was special. And that also just kicks off a whole nother bond. Yeah. So I, I just I was head over heels <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> and it makes you cherish those moments. Yes. When life hits, or like I say, when life be life in. Because <laughs> mm. <laughs> it does. <laughs> and you know what? Like, I've gotten comments from family and stuff. We're like, oh, you know, you hold Lyndon too much. Or he's a toddler now. He can do this. Or you kind of spoil him. Or you baby him. And this is, you know, the classic church line. If you knew what I went through. <laughs> but it's real. I, it, yeah. it's so real. Because people have said, like, you don't let Lyndon, like, stay over and do this or do that. I don't. I, I hate to say I like to have my eyes on him all the time. Or, mm. you know, just be around him and soak it up. Because either I couldn't have been here or he couldn't have been here. Mm. Or both couldn't have. You know? So mm-hmm. I... And I think about it a lot. I like I try not to be too deep with people and people who, you know, I guess it's a, you know, move past it sort of thing. No, 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 no. Because it is still really fresh in my mind. I mean, this was only a year ago. I still cry a lot. I have lots of flashbacks and all that stuff. So when I when I get those comments, it does kind of hurt me a little bit. But like I said, it's because I try and cherish every single moment. Because I know there could it could have been gone another way. Yeah. People will never understand that because they have they never felt what I felt and been through what I've been through. So I don't care. Love on your children. <laughs> Pick them up. <laughs> give them hugs. Kiss them all day long. Like they won't be little for long. Yeah, yeah. And we gotta give other mothers grace and not easily judge because you do not know their story. So instead of judging give some grace or just and just keep quiet yep because maya in your situation it was literally life or death yep and i'm still here lord by the grace of god mm-hmm. by the grace of god whoo maya <laughs> I, I was oh i was ready but i wasn't ready <laughs> that oh my goodness um, as we're closing out I want you to also share what you hope for, Lyndon. And hopefully years down the road, he will hear this. But what do you hope for him in his life? Oh, well, because I know he is meant to be here. God ordained him to be here. He has a purpose. I just be that support to help him find whatever it is that God wants him to be and use him as and so i i just really want that from him. awesome well maya so grateful to god that you are here that you can be a vessel to linden but also to other women as well who may have similar experiences or know of someone who has one or just for them to just learn and be educated about different possibilities 
it's very, very important for us to make sure that we tell the truth in this journey of motherhood. For women, mothers, please check your blood pressure during your, your pregnancy. And if it means wearing a monitor, especially during that third trimester, please do. Maya shared that sometimes you may not have symptoms and it will sneak up on you and it can get to life or death. And you want to make sure that you are doing as much as you can. Also, love on your children. You you know what you've been through. You know why they're here. Even if you did not birth the child yourself as well. God gave you that child. Love on that child. Maya, do you have any last thoughts or anything you want to just make sure the vessels hear from you? Um, I would just say pray and trust God. Hey, God's got you. He's got your baby and he will carry you through this journey and you will be on the other side playing with a crazy toddler. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Well, Vessels, this has been another great episode on the Mother Vessel podcast. If you would like to connect with Maya or follow her, her Instagram is the Maya. N-N-N. And I will also drop it in the show notes as well. Well, Vessels, until next time, continue to shine and thrive. Later.